I think we need to give credit where credit is due. And uh, this morning, I noticed this, and, and just now I noticed it, that when we get here, some of you may or may not know this, we get here about 8 o'clock in the mornings and practice these songs before we actually come in and do them. And uh, Cecil usually sings the lead part. I don't know how many of you know about harmony parts, but, you know, harmony works, do, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, and, and so on and so forth. And Cecil, you know, he's usually singing this part, and then Lauren is usually singing the part right above him. And then, you know, there's a couple more parts down here, and one of them is the bass part. And praise the Lord, Sister Joanna can sing bass as good as anybody I've ever heard. She gets right in there. And did y'all hear her singing bass this morning? Did, were you singing bass? Were you singing the bass part? I thought you were. And uh, praise the Lord when, when uh, I'm not man enough to sing bass, Joanna can do it too. So I appreciate that. I love you, sister. And uh, she is she's such a good singer. Won't you say amen to that? Uh, I'm going to preach, like I said, I'm going to preach two dads this morning. I had a guy come up and ask me this morning, and uh, I won't identify him for, uh, for, for reasons of his own safety, but he said, are you going to preach at dads? Are you going to tell us how rotten and sorry and how much of a dog we are? I said, no. I said, I'm going to preach two dads this morning, but I'm going to say this, that it's okay to be a dad. I want, you, I want you to understand this. We live, the, the society that we live in today, it seems like that the, the office of father, and it's, it's a wonderful office, it's being, it's being attacked. It's being, it's being minimized. And, and it's, being even, it's, it's going as far as people are, are demonizing dads today. And, and the word on the, uh, and the world is that, well, you know, a family, he do, they don't even need a dad, that we can do it without a dad. Now, some families have to do that. Amen? I mean, they just have to. Sometimes there's families that, that are going to be without a dad for whatever reason or a father. But, but I'll tell you what, the way that God set up the family is that everybody in the family has their own role and their own part. Just a few weeks ago, we preached on mothers, and praise the Lord for mothers. My, I, my goodness, I couldn't have, couldn't have made it in life without my mother. But let me tell you, Dad had an important role in my life too. And fathers have, have such an important role in the lives of their children. And, and, and if you're a father, then usually you're a husband, or at least you should be. And, and uh, say amen right there. Y'all believe that? Nobody said amen. It kind of scared me. But, but you, you, there's a role, and, and a father and a husband, is, it takes a unique person, it takes a strong person, and it takes a special person. And let me just tell you that, that if you're a father here this morning, if you're a grandfather here this morning, if you're a stepdad here this morning or an adopted father, whatever the situation may be in your life, I just want to say thank you for serving. Thank you for doing what you do for your family. Thank you for raising those children. And I could say thank you and, and, and I could just walk off stage right now and that would be enough. But, but I'm going to talk about what the Bible has to say about fathers this morning. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I want you to understand this and, and I'm not trying to, to puff you men up. And, and ladies, if the men get puffed up when I say this, I know that you'll humble them over lunch. Okay, I know you will. But I want you to understand that, that we're, we're called a father. I'm a father, and Brother George is, is a father, and Brother Albert, we're all fathers. You understand that that is the same, one of the same titles that God wears? Now, I'm not saying that to puff us up, but I think that if, if God calls us fathers, then it must be a, a, a pretty big deal. Wouldn't you say amen to that? 
And I think that, that God, uh, you know, He wants to honor fathers. So let's go to the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read four verses out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to read the Apostle Paul's writing. Now, I don't know that the Apostle Paul was a dad. I never heard him say that, that he had children. He talked about Timothy being his son in the faith. Uh, we don't know that he was married or had children. But he's going to give us a little bit of fatherly advice in, in chapter 6, verse number 4. So let's stand to honor the reading of God's Word. The book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verse number 1. And if you're there, say Amen. Now, the first thing, let's, let's listen up here, children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen, right? Are y'all with me? Y'all believe that's the right thing to do? So if you're a child in here this morning, if, if, you're, if your parent is in here this morning, or maybe your, your parents are still alive, I believe that it's right to obey your parents in the Lord. And he goes on to say, he says, honor thy father and mother. And then my Bible, and yours probably does too, that there's a parenthesis around this. And it says, which is the first commandment with promise. And God said that if you'll do this, if you'll honor your father and mother, you know what that promise is? That you'll live a long life. That was what the promise was. He says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 4. And ye fathers, so here's the fathers, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. And God, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of being here this morning. God, I just pray that you would touch each one. And Lord, I just pray that you would touch those that may listen to this later uh, by, way of, by way of the internet. God, I just pray that you would bless them and, and, just, and just help them in whatever way that they need help. And Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, God, I just pray that you would bless it and that God, you would multiply it, Lord, and that you would just use it to your glory. God, I am absolutely unworthy to stand here in this pulpit this morning. And Lord, I need your help. And Lord, each person sitting in this church this morning needs your help. God, we need a touch. And God, I pray this morning as, as we preach on fathers, Lord, as we give them the word, Lord, that you would just, that you would just bless fathers, God, that you would empower, empower them with your Holy Spirit and God, help them to be the best dad that they could be, to be the best grandfather that they could be. And Lord, just, just show them that you're on their side, God, and that you love them and that you care for them. Lord, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I've already said, it, the, the office of Father, I'm going to call it an office this morning. I don't know of a better way to describe it, you know. It, it is such a vital, important role. In fact, society, I think, would fall apart, and it is falling apart 
because the role of father has been diminished. I read a statistic several years ago, and I went and double-checked it this week. I like statistics. I'm a numbers guy. And this is what the statistics say. Get this, that 85%, 85%, at least 15%, okay, 85% of men in prison grew up in a home without a father. And that, that's crazy, isn't it? 85%, that's, that's almost, you know, that, that's at least 15% of men in prison that grew up with a dad at home. Now that right there should be enough to tell you about the importance of fathers, amen? That, that if, if 85% of them didn't have a father and, and 15% did, then that should tell you that dad needs to be doing something, and you know, I, I understand this, and, and let me go ahead and throw this out there, and, and I want to go ahead and, and just lay this on you, that we live in a different time than, than a lot of people grew up with and their dads. Uh, I, I think of, of uh, you know, some, some older folks in here, like well, Brother Albert, you're, you're my oldest member, and you sit front and center, brother. When you grew up, your dad worked and your mom probably stayed at home, right? That's, that's just how it, it was back in, back in that time, and a lot of you had had that that luxury right but these days it seems like a lot of moms have went to work how many of you in here uh, wives work or have worked and, and may be retired now uh, almost every single wife in this room has a job Rhonda didn't raise her hand because she's close to retirement but it, but anyways and so life is 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 different than it used to be you know, I say this, and, and some of you may not, not know who this is, but we don't live in the times of Ward Cleaver anymore. Does anybody know who Ward Cleaver is? Y'all remember him? You know, you remember that show Leave It to Beaver, right? And he was the mischievous kid. And, and that, I'll tell you what, that boy, I couldn't have been his daddy because he got into trouble in every single episode. And then it took his, his brother to get him out, and his dad would come in, and his mom, she would sit there, and, you know, she would be June Cleaver, and she'd tell Beaver what all the problems were. And then Ward, he would come in, and he would rescue the day, wouldn't he? And he would, he would make everything right. But we don't live in that time anymore. We, we live in a time where, where and, and I'm not for this or against this, I'm just saying this is where we're at, where, where ladies work and they, they go. And so really it was back then that the dads kind of went to work and it was left to mom to raise the children, right? Would you all agree with that statement or am I wrong in saying that? You all agree with that statement? And so, but, but these days... It seems like a lot of dads still want to have that mentality, you know, I'm the man of the house, and so I'm going to come home and, and, and you know, sweetheart, after you've worked eight hours all day, I need you to still, you know, watch the kids. Do, do what women do. And, uh, and those men say that, and you know what else they're doing? They're dragging their knuckles, and they're carrying a club over their shoulder, and they're saying, me, Tarzan, and you, Jane. That's, that's, I'm not trying to, I'm just being honest with you, Okay. And, and, and men that, that their, women, their, their wives work all day and these women work and then they, they expect their kids to, to still somehow make it successfully in life. Now I say amen to a mom that can, can work and raise a kid and, and do it on her own. That, I mean, that takes a tough woman right there, don't it? But dad needs to be in that child's life probably more now than ever. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. It's because back when, back when some of y'all were, were growing up and when some of y'all were being raised up, you didn't have to face the things that kids face today. 
We don't talk about this a whole lot, but I think it goes without being said most of the time that children are faced with things and young people are faced with things today that you cannot imagine. Things that you do not want to imagine. I feel like it's, it's harder to be a kid today than it ever has been. You say, well, why am I talking about kids? Because in order to be a father, you have to have a child. So that's why I'm talking about kids. It's hard to be a kid these days. And so if there's ever a time when fathers need to step up to the plate, it's right now. Because I don't, I don't think that a lot of our kids are going are gonna to make it as well as they could. And, and I especially don't think our churches can make it so well unless dad does what dad needs to do in the home. God, God blesses the home. Did you know that God instituted the home before he did the church? Way long time before he did the church. God made man and he made woman and then he gave them children and they became a family. And so you had a father and you had a mother and you have children. And let me say this, that, that you can raise your kids as, as good as you want to, but sometimes they're not always going to listen to you. Amen? Anybody in here had a kid disobey you recently? Just recently. Yeah, Misty's got her hand up right there. I, I don't believe that. Aaron has never, ever one time disobeyed that I've ever seen. That's a good kid, amen? That's a, that's a good little boy. She's doing a good job with that boy. But, so, you know, sometimes kids are disobedient, and that's why the Apostle Paul gives us that first verse in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents. Why? Because it's right. It's right to obey your parents. Can you say amen to that? It's right. That's the way God intended it because what I found out growing up is that my parents knew just a little bit more than I thought that they knew. When I was growing up, and it hadn't been that long since I was a teenager, that's been, I don't know, 17 years ago. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't like this at all. I was at, what's uh, 34 minus 18? I don't even know what that is. That's eight, is that 18? No, that's 36. Anyways, I was a teenager 16 years ago, so it hadn't been that long. So anyways, back when I was a teenager, I had this idea that when my parents told me something, I thought they're crazy. When my dad told me something, I thought, you know what, Dad, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. But I have found out that parents have a whole lot more life experience than their children. And even though I'm still learning and even though I'm still growing, I feel like that I, hopefully at least I know a thing or two more than my children do. Although Shaylee, she's six years old and she thinks she knows a lot. And, and she'll, she'll spout it right back off at me. But, but at the end of the day, it says, Children, obey your parents for this is right. And then it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says, But bring them up fathers I want you to notice this it says fathers and then it says bring them up do you see that so it's not just mom's job to bring the children up is it father's job too would y'all agree with that statement because that's what the Bible says amen but it doesn't just say do it on your own. It doesn't just say, hey, make it up as you go. Because sometimes as a parent, I mean, I didn't get the handbook or something because sometimes I feel like I'm making it up as I go as a parent. Any of y'all ever feel like that? You don't know what you're doing, so you're just kind of going with the flow and seeing. And, and if basically, if your kids are still alive and still breathing, you think you've had a successful day. That's, that's how a lot of us feel. 
But God did not intend for you to raise your children in your own power because He said bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or bring them up in the nurture and admonition of Himself. That's how the Lord wants us to bring up our children. And do you know where that starts? Do you know, you know how you bring your children up? I, di- I didn't really understand this for a long time. But turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is actually a book that is written by, by a king, written by King Solomon to his son. In fact, so many times, I think it's, it's like 12 times in the first 8 chapters, you read the words, my son. And then we're going we're gonna to read that verse actually right here in, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 8. King Solomon writes to his son, and this is what he says. He says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now the verse previous to this, I'm going to go ahead and back up and read it too. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then he says, My son, hear the instruction of your father. See, the time that we live in is a time that is, is, is so busy. How many of you stay busy all the time? I feel like I stay busy pretty much all the time. And, and I'm, I'm, I tell people I'm not, a, I'm not a chicken running around with my head cut off. I feel like a head running around with my chicken cut off. That's how I feel. And I just sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting there and I'm not getting anything accomplished, but yet I'm doing so much. And that's the time that we live in. I mean, just things are fast-paced, things are going, and we've got this, this, and this that we've got to do. And in the midst of all that, guess what? We have got to raise our children up. There's a lot, the world is demanding a lot of us. Many of you that, that go to work every day and have young children, you understand how difficult that can be sometimes. When you have to go to work, and sometimes you have to work 8, 10, maybe even 12 hours a day, and 5, 6 days a week sometimes, and and people tell me the hours that they work sometimes, and I'm like, how do you have time for anything else? And you work all day, and you, you do this, and you do that, and then you come home, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, and then you sit down in your recliner, and what happens? Here comes your child. Anybody ever been there? I get there. And I'm tired, I'm tired right now, and, and can't even figure out why. It's just it's like I've been just been perpetually tired for six years since Shaylee was born. Or maybe it's that I'm getting older. I don't know which one it is, but it is something like that. But then it, it comes the time when you're tired and you're worn out, and then that child comes to you, and they're wanting something. You know what they're wanting? They're wanting your attention. Let me tell you this, and, and sometimes I'm not super good at this, and sometimes you're probably not super good at this, but make time to give your children the attention that they need. And if you will pay attention to them, guess what? Here's how it works. They will pay attention to you. And when those children, when you give that child the time of day, when you, when you, you, know, you don't push them away and say, oh, go play and go, go do something else, if you'll give that kid attention, then I tell you what, they'll start paying attention to you and you can tell them things and you can teach them things and, and, and they'll listen to you. And it says that, that the children are to hear the instruction of the fathers. 
Now they're supposed to listen to the law of their mothers, but they're supposed to hear the instruction of thy father. Understand this, that that you're supposed to be teaching your kids. That, That comes with the implication that if they're supposed to be hearing you, then you're supposed to be saying something to them. And let me tell you this, fathers, you're, you're to teach them several things. You are to teach your children how to live life. Because life is a difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, when, when I got out of high school and when I went to work, I tell you what, life hit me upside the head like a train. And I thought, Bills, this is no fun. I got I to balance a checkbook. I got to do what? And life came at me hard. And little did I know that, that life that only gets more complicated, and, and don't take this the wrong way, sweetheart, but life only gets more complicated when you bring a partner in, and then you've got two personalities in the home. Can you say that sometimes that might get a little difficult? Say amen to that. Some of you men are scared to death to say amen to that. I know, what's, I know y'all. I know what's up. But life can get complicated. And then sometimes when you add the, the, uh, into the equation children, then it's like, well, what do I do now? You're supposed to teach them about life, and, and you think, well, I'm not real good at it. You know, I, like I said earlier, I'm just making it up as I go. If you want to learn about life, if you want to learn how to live your life, all you have to do is just simply open the Word of God. There, there's nothing that you will face in life that God's Word has not dealt with or that it does deal with. And I think that we have maybe some parents that are teaching their kids about life and, and maybe they're teaching them this and that and, and all these things. But how many of you fathers this, this morning are actually teaching your children about the things of God? Because that's what will last with them. That's the, the most important thing you can teach them. You know, it's awesome to teach your kids how to drive a stick shift, right? That's something cool that I think every dad needs to teach their son, right? Or every granddad. I think every dad needs to teach their son how to throw a football in the prettiest spiral that they can. I think that every dad needs to teach their, their, their young male children how to change oil. Can you say amen to that? that that's, just, that's something you need to know. And if you're doing all that and, and you're not teaching them about the Word of God, then I would say that, that you're not doing what you should be. Amen? I won't call you a failure because if you're teaching your kids something, that if you're teaching them anything, then you're doing a lot better than a lot of dads in this world because there's a lot of homes without fathers. But let me tell you that you could be doing so much better and you could be maximizing the time with your children and, and maximizing what you do with your children if you'll just, you'll just slip in there some things about the Word of God because they're listening to you. I know they are. I'll give you an example of that. Last night, some people don't like it when, when preachers talk about their kids from the pulpit and I try to minimize that, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, last night, I was talking to Shaylee about being baptized today or this evening. And so I keep going over with her. I said, how did you get saved? I, I'm not wanting her to doubt. I just, I just want to be sure, 100% sure. And, and she, said, she said, I believe Jesus in my heart. And I said, amen, amen to that. And so I said, do you believe that Jesus uh, was, was, uh, was born of a virgin? And, and I couldn't say that in, in terms that a six-year-old would understand. And Lacey just sat there and laughed at me. And, uh, and so I went on. I said, do you believe Jesus lived a perfect life? And she said, yeah. And, and I said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Yeah. And, uh, and I said, do you believe that he rose from the dead? Yeah, yeah, I believe all that. 
Well, the Bible says if you believe that, you're saved. Amen? But I said, Shaylee, I said, where is Jesus right now? And she kind of looked at me puzzled. And, and you know, it's, you know that's a, lot of, a lot of you may not know where Jesus is right now. And I said, he's sitting somewhere. I said, Shaylee, where is, is Jesus sitting right now? And Barrett, we were at the dinner table, and Barrett had walked off about five minutes ago. And he was off doing his own thing, you know. He was off, you know, playing in the toy room, I guess. And I said, Shaylee, where is Jesus? And Barrett yells down the steps, at the right hand of God. I said, praise the Lord. Somebody taught that boy that, and I don't know that it was me. I mean, I may have said that, he may have heard me say it, but listen, that means he's listening to somebody. He may be listening to his Sunday school teacher. Praise the Lord for that, amen? But dads, you know what? We should be telling our kids that. Telling our kids about Jesus. Telling our kids, uh, you know, the, the words of the Bible. And I tell you what, it, it, it'll, it'll do them a world of good. Start with them young. They don't have to be teenagers to start talking about the Bible and, and talking about salvation. They don't have to be teenagers. They can be little. They can be young. And I'm thankful that, that, that children pick up on things. I mean, their, their brain, understand this, that when they're two and three and, and even up to ten and, and maybe even teenagers, their, their brain is just so malleable. It's just waiting for you to make an impression on it. And that impression you need to make on them is a godly impression. Amen? You need to teach your children about the things of God. Here's another one, uh, and, and this is just free. You need to take your family to church. Amen? Here's another statistic for you. Remember, I like statistics. I read this, and, and I confirmed it, that, that Lifeway Research, one of the leading Christian research companies in the world, you may have heard of them, they said if, if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, that the chances of the entire family coming to church is 3.5%. Now think about that. Now let's put that in perspective. Let's think about camp last week. Okay, now all of our, our kids that turned their heart over to the Lord, most of their families come to church pretty regular. But think about one, some of those kids over at camp that, that maybe just came out of, you know, somebody just picked them up or whatever. And if that child got saved, there's probably a 3.5% chance that if their family is not saved, that there's, there's only a 3.5% chance their family is going to come to church. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to increase that just a little bit. If mom is the first person to get saved in a family, the, the number goes up to 17%, which is better than 3.5, right? But understand this. If dad is the first person to get saved in a, in a family, you know what the, the, the percentage of dad bringing the rest of the family to church is? 93%. Does that tell you how important it is for dad to know the Lord? And tell you that if dad's saved and he brings his family to church, that the rest of the family is probably going to come to church and they're going to follow dad. And they, they may even follow in the steps and, and, and get saved and get baptized. And what, a, what an important impact dads have on their children. I'll stand here and say that, that I'm thankful that my dad took me to church. Sometimes, you know, my dad forced me to go to church when I didn't want to go to church. But I went, and I can stand here and say I'm thankful that my dad taught me about the things of God. There are things that my dad taught me growing up, and, and I learned growing up that, that still stick with me to this day. Fathers, please 
please, please teach your children about God. Don't expect the Sunday school teacher to do it. Don't expect me to do it from the pulpit for maybe, you know, 30 or 45 minutes a week. Don't, don't expect that. You have a more time than I will ever think about. Please tell them about Jesus at home. You've got to teach your children. But another thing that you need to do as a father, and, and this, is, this is something that we don't particularly enjoy, is, is sometimes you have to do what Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 12 says. Turn your Bible over, or maybe just the page over. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number Let's read 11 and 12, actually. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 11. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Now, I talked about this very similar thing back a couple of weeks ago when I preached on what the Holy Spirit does, is that sometimes He corrects us. But did you know that, Father, sometimes you're going to have to correct your children? Now, some of y'all are getting mad at me, and I'm not talking about just picking up your children and beating them, okay? That is not my implication this morning. I stood in court one day, and, and it wasn't for me, all right? It was when I was working in probation. And the judge down in Smithfield, Judge Cook, you can hear him saying this, Andrew. This, this, uh, and I may have told you this before, but this lady came before the judge, and her son was a juvenile delinquent. Anybody got any kids like that? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. And and he, the kid, the 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 son, he was in he was in like middle school. And uh, and he he was skipping school. He he was you know he's being truant and. He wasn't turning his, in his assignments, and he was being uh, disruptive in class and back-talking the teachers. And, and finally, you know, if you do that enough, apparently the school board will take you to court. I thought, man, I'm glad I'm out of school. And, Joanna, you've probably had kids like that, hadn't you, that, that do the same exact thing. And so they bring this kid to court that day, and, and uh, the mom's standing there with the kid, and the kid's got the little smirk on his face. You know, he's standing there just think, thinks he's something. And the judge says, well, what's, what's the problem here? And the mom says, I can't do anything with him. And she looked at the judge and she says, because, because you, said I, I, you said I can't whoop him. That's what she said. She was from DeKalb County. So she said, you, you said I couldn't whoop him. And the judge got this look on his face and he said, oh, I never said that. He said, you, he said, he said this is the judge. He said, you, this is his words. He said, you have every right as a parent to discipline your child. He looked over at the DCS workers that were sitting in the, in the, in the jury box at the time, and he said, now, you, you, they don't give you a right to beat your children and abuse them, amen, right? But he said, you have to discipline your children. And, and, and when the judge said that, that mama looked at her son, and she got this big smile on her face. And that son took the smile off of his face. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not advising you, I want you to understand this. When we think of correction and when we think about discipline, we, a lot of times we think about whipping our kids. And that's not what I'm talking about, okay? That is, that is far from what I'm talking about this morning. You see the word that, that's actually used in Proverbs is the word that is correct. To correct them. 
Sometimes that may involve a, a, a spanking or a whipping or whatever you want to call it. But sometimes, understand this, that that just means that you simply sit down with your child and explain to them why what they're doing is wrong. Because with correction means that there's been some sort of deviant action or there's been something that they've done wrong or, or done something maybe contrary to what Scripture says and, and they've done something. And, and you know why as parents we correct our children? Because we do it for their own good. I found that out eventually when I became a parent is that I correct my children for their own good. You know, I, I, Shaylee rides her bicycle and she gets a little too close to the road and, and you know, I get, I get nervous and I holler at her and say, Shaylee, come back towards the house. You can't be near the road. And sometimes I say that kind of loud, but you know why I correct her? Because I don't want her to get run over by a car. It's as simple as that. I do that for her own good. And as fathers, you need, to, you need to correct your children. And that means this, that you need to tell them what is right. Because a lot of times, especially the day and time that we live in, children just simply, they just don't know what's right sometimes. They don't know that what they're doing is wrong. All the things, you, you see all these, these teenagers, and, and did you know that, that sex outside of marriage is, is just running rampant? In our, in our school systems and, and teenage pregnancies, just, it seems like it's running rampant. I mean, even a few years ago when I graduated high school, there was, I think, like six or seven pregnant girls in my class. And that's just, and there are things that children are doing and, and, and young people and teenagers are doing and they're, they're using alcohol and they're using drugs and, and part of it might simply be if, the, if their parent or their dad would just sit down and say, hey, this is wrong and this is why it's wrong, they might listen to you. Does everybody understand that? Is everybody still with me? Nobody's mad at me now, right? You can, you can tell your kids what's right and wrong as a parent. Would you say amen to that? You have that right. You have that privilege as given to you by the Word of God that if you love your children, you'll correct them. I correct my children because I love them. We say that word discipline, and there's another word for it. You, you think about the root word of discipline is disciple. Think about that. To discipline a child is to simply get this, make them your disciple. To make them more like you. And hopefully you're like Jesus, so you're making your kid more like Jesus. It's something that we don't like to talk about, but dads, please tell your children what is right. Tell them, just, just sit down with them. Sometimes you'll have to correct them in various ways, and, and, and the same thing doesn't work for the same, you know, things work differently for different children. But figure out what works for your children, and then stick with it. And you know what will happen if you do these things? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You don't have to flip over there, but, but a lot of you know this verse. But a lot of times we, we just say it and don't think about it. But, but if you'll do this, if you'll teach your children and you'll discipline them. And I've got one more point, but I just want to read this verse. Proverbs 22, 6. It says that if you will train up a child in the way he should go when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now for years and years, that verse always confused me. And here's why it confused me. Because the way I always read that verse was this. That if you raised your kids right and you taught them the Word of God, then that verse must mean that they're always going to do what's right and they're never going to deviate from the Bible. And that could not be further from the truth. Amen? 
Because there are plenty of examples, and you may be one of them, of a child that was raised right, raised in the Word of God, and raised in the house of God, and taken to church and taught what was right, and then you got away from it. You, you departed from it, right? But understand this, that even if you physically depart from it and you quit doing it, it's something that you'll probably never do is you'll never forget those things. You may not apply them, but they will always, always, always be with you. I think about some of the things that I was taught as a young, as a young man, and, and they still stick with me. Parents, if you'll tell the kids that it's wrong, it'll stay with them. They may not always listen to you, but you did your job, and it will always be with them. Brother Albert is 90 years old, and I guarantee he can remember things your dad taught, told you, right? And you remember some of the lessons that you learned as a young boy, and, and your dad taught you what was right and what was wrong. And it, even 90 years later, or we'll say 84 years later, what 80 years later, whatever it is, when, from when you learned those things, those, those things are still with you, amen? If we'll teach our kids those things, they'll be with them. Now, we can't control our kids to the point to where we make them do what we want them to do, especially when they get older. But, but understand that if you'll just tell them, if you'll just teach them and train them and maybe correct them and, and, and all these things, if you'll just do that, it'll go a long way with them. But dads, fathers, parents in general, let me tell you the most important thing that you can do for your children today and for the rest of their life is just love them. Love your children. I would give you a verse out of Proverbs, but there's, there's not really a great verse that just, just explicitly says love your children. But let, let, let's, let's think about this for a moment. Think about the entire Word of God. About how many examples of a father loving their children there have been. I think about Abraham and how much he loves his son Isaac. I think about in the New Testament, I think about the, the father of the prodigal son and how much he, that his son, you know, he probably, you know, the prodigal son's dad, uh, he probably raised his son right, would be my guess, and his son departed from it, but yet his dad still loved him to the very day that he came home. A, a, a father's love is so important. I can I can say this because uh, my mom passed away and and uh, and my grandfather passed away. My my granddad, my my mom's dad was a was a great man, a godly man, and uh, I believe he's in heaven today. But he was he was a man that was he was he was born in in 1929 in the tail end of the depression, and he was raised rough. I mean, just just rough, you know, and and that that. That, it, that had an impact on him. And he had three daughters. He had my mom, uh, my mom's sister, Nita, and then my mom's youngest sister, Joyce. And uh, my mom always used to tell me uh, that her dad just never was one to say, I love you. Now, did my grandpa show that to them? Absolutely. When he got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and went out to the barn and milked the cow, all right, because he still did that. He would go milk the cow, and then he would go do whatever he needed to around the farm, and then he would get in his truck, and he would drive to work every day and work, you know, eight or ten hours, whatever, and he would come back, and he would provide for his family. And I believe that's one sign that you love your family, right? If you're, if you're providing for them, that's a pretty good indication you care a little bit about them. 
but he 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 was just the type that never that never he was just a he was a he was a tough guy I guess you could say he he wasn't a mean person at all but he was he he just wasn't a very affectionate person and and even in my mom when she was in her fifties and sixties she would say my my dad never my dad was never one to tell me he loved me and that hurt my heart to think about that you know and so I and, and he did love her I have no doubt of that. But, but I would say, dads, not only love your children, but let them know how much you love them. Let them know. I mean, uh, you know, I talked about, you know, correcting your kids when they're doing something wrong. But if you have a chance, praise your kids when they do something right. Brag on your children and lift them up and exhort them. And it, the, the Bible said in, in Ephesians to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word, uh, it means to just, just simply praise them and lift them up and, and, and tell them they're doing good. And love your children and let them know that you love them. A lot of men, you know, we, we try to be manly, right? And... And we try to put on a, this big tough front. We don't want anybody to know that we have emotions or we have, we have anything deep down that, that, that stirs us up. You know, we're, we're just, we want to be stoic and say, look at me, I'm a tough guy. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get into that mushy stuff. You know, I don't get into that love thing. Let me ask your wife how mushy you are. I bet if she wants you to, you know, if she wants you to be mushy and give her a kiss, you're going to give her a kiss, right? No? That's okay. I guess it is. Maybe that's just my wife. But I have learned this, that you need to, you need to show love. Husbands, I'm going to give you a little hint here. Tell your wife you love them. Tell your wife you love her and tell her how much she means to you. But then take it a step further and tell your kids. I'll tell you what, having kids made me really understand what love was all about. I couldn't understand it fully until Shaylee came into this world. She was two months early, and she weighed, she was a little bitty, you know, in, in, in neonatal ICU. And as I sat there and held her, you know, I, the first time I kissed her on the forehead, I thought there's going to be a million more of these kisses on the forehead coming. And my little girl, if you go ask her right now, does your daddy love you? You know what she's going to say? I know my daddy loves me. And that will have an impact on your children. The reason we love our children so much is because, number one, they're a blessing from God. Amen? Children are a blessing. They're, they're, children are not to be a burden. They're not to be burdensome and, and weigh you down. But yet God gave you your children so that you, you could continue on the, 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 the lineage of God and teach them to be godly people. But we love our children because, because God loves us. I can nowhere, I, can, I cannot even get close to thinking about how much God loves me. I can't imagine how much God loves me. But I think about how much I love my kids. And I think God's love is perfect. How much more does God love me? God loves me. He teaches me and He, he corrects me and He loves me. These are things that I learn from my Heavenly Father. And then as an earthly father, I try to pass those things down to my children. You know, one of these days, you know, Barrett, he, he may grow up and, and have kids of his own, and he may be a father. And I want to think about the example that I'm, I'm giving him, how, how, what a father should look like. 
what a good dad is. Now, I, I make mistakes. Dads, do you make mistakes? Yes, you do. But don't, don't let those mistakes rule your life. Move on, please, and teach your children about God. Show them how much God loves them and how much you love them. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you for your wonderful example in the Bible about what a father's love is. And God, I thank you that, that even though I'm unworthy and that even though I don't deserve it sometimes, that, that Lord, in spite of all my shortcomings and my wrongdoings, Lord, you still love me. And God, I pray as a father that you can help me to love my children in that same manner. That when they make mistakes and that, that when they mess up in life and, and things don't go exactly how the, that we think they should, Lord, that I still love them unconditionally. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak to fathers in here this morning. And God, I just pray that you would particularly speak to, to unsaved fathers. Dads that, that may not know you as their Savior, but, but they're, they're doing the right thing. They're bringing their children to church. And, and Lord, that means so much to me this morning that a dad that's unsaved would bring their children to church. But God, I just pray that you would save them so that they can live an example of a Christian in front of their children. So that they can teach them about you and teach them what is right and what is wrong according to your blessed word. God, I just pray that you would help this morning. And Lord, if somebody's lost, please save them. And God, we praise you. We lift you up. We exalt you this morning because you are the only one that is worthy. Thank you, Father, for all your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.